and welcome to Confessions. I'm your host, Nanette Stein, and I'm so glad you're here. This is the second of a two-part episode, so if you haven't listened to the first one yet and you want to hear those chilling tales, I'll link that episode in the show notes. Last time I shared the spooky happenings that my family endured in Halesworth, England before I was born, but tonight I'm going to share my own personal stories from the days following my mother's passing. This has always been a pretty sensitive subject, but I feel like I'm ready to share. It's important to me to add that I'm not sharing these things about what I experienced after my mother passed away as entertainment. I would never use those experiences to gain or entertain an audience. The things that happened to me were very scary and sad, and I didn't know what to make of them. I still might not totally know what was going on, and that's why I'm sharing it with you. The last episode was more of a storytelling, but this one is more sensitive and thought-provoking. It deals with a hard death, my relationship with my mother leading up to her death, and conversations we had in the year before about religion, God, and what might happen in the afterlife. As I stated in the last episode, not every subject of the show will be centered on the paranormal, but this, along with some pretty interesting thoughts I've had about what could possibly be behind certain paranormal happenings, is the focus of this episode. So, open your mind, put your thinking caps on, and let's get into it. Mom and I had a tumultuous relationship, at least it was when I was a teenager and young adult. We rarely saw eye to eye, and a bicker session was never far off. As I matured, both as a woman and a mother myself, I started to soften towards my mom and gain a new understanding of what her life was and how it had been. We had an argument once where I remember saying to her, We just don't know each other at all. And it was the truth. We clashed. Always. When I was younger and didn't have many opinions of my own yet, We would talk about things that I had many questions about. Heaven, God, the beginning of man, ghosts. As I got older and experimented with my own beliefs, we would talk about those things too. I remember one time we were at the mall and got into this really intense conversation about religion and belief systems. I remember feeling that we were really on the same page. I had been exploring different beliefs and had already been to several different denominations of churches with friends and family, and none of that made me feel connected. My discovery of Buddhism, Hinduism, and even paganism had me reeling. I finally found a different type of way to think that made me feel more connected than I ever did in church. Anyway, so here we are having this amazing conversation about the church and the old world and all the ways they tried their best to circumvent paganism. And I think I'm really getting somewhere when after I am done with my dissertation, she says to me, well, you know, Jesus is the only way though, right? except it was more of a statement than a question. I think the entire mall felt my disappointment in that very moment. All I could think of to say was, you know, I think when everyone dies, they're going to have a big surprise in store for them because I don't think it's going to be anything like what they teach in church. And she actually sort of agreed with me. Years would pass before our mother was suddenly and unexpectedly taken from us. In those years, we had many more conversations and were just starting to build this nice mother-daughter relationship where we were getting on that same page together when she left. 
She traveled to that unknown place we often had long talks about. Mom was very much into ghost stories and hauntings, so many books lined her shelves about haunted locations, investigations, compilations of stories. She loved it. I always thought that if anyone were to come back or stick around to tell us of the other side, it would be her. And I truly believe she did. The days and weeks following Mom's death were busy and exhausting. We had our dad to think of and take care of. My parents lived over an hour away, and he couldn't stay by himself that far away. We brought him home, and I busied myself with making sure he had what he needed, etc. We very quickly found him his own place to live, thanks to our cousin, in a newly renovated house made for a wheelchair, and that was an unbelievable blessing. I continued to keep myself busy by getting him settled in, doing the cooking, and working myself to exhaustion, mostly to avoid the grieving process. I was so tired at the end of the day that I would come home, shower, and settle into the couch to watch a movie, ultimately falling asleep in minutes. Mom passed away March 29th at bedtime, and just days into April is when things started to happen. Just like in the last episode, I'll try to keep things in order as much as I can, but it's been almost 10 years. Ugh, just saying that shocks me. Time has moved so fast since 2012, it really throws me off guard. Well, but that's another subject for another day. I'm sure it'll make a good podcast. The very first thing I remember can't necessarily be called paranormal because other, more logical explanations are available. The fact that it could have been human is more terrifying to me than any ghost story. My husband was working night shift at the time, so when I got dad taken care of and in bed, I would come home, shower, and settle in. It was April and warming up, so I had the windows open. Our TV was in the front corner of the living room between two windows and faced the couch that was along the wall opposite the window that was on the left of the TV. So when I was sitting on the couch propped up in the left-hand corner, I could face the window and TV. At this time, I hadn't yet started to keep the lights on, so the only light was coming from the television. Now, full disclosure, I was watching the show Fact or Faked Paranormal Files, and I distinctly remember it was a rerun of an episode where the team was investigating a video that was of a woman seemingly being levitated from her bed while sleeping. They were recreating the levitation and were filming in infrared, so the TV was lit up in green. Now, this has no real significance, except the room was awash in an eerie green glow, and it was about alien abduction, and I was falling asleep. And all of that could possibly have a huge significance to my experience. So, as I'm falling asleep, I'm awoken by a sound. Now, I have the TV turned way down low because I was falling asleep, and I just wanted to stay right there where I was comfortable but didn't want to hear them talking or any loud commercials. And since it was so quiet, the noise I heard startled me awake. What I heard was not a bang, groan, growl, or howl. It was breathing. I'm not kidding. There was a loud, raspy, rhythmic breathing coming from the window by the TV. I opened my eyes but could not move. I was terrified. I was so scared that someone was outside the window and could see my every move, but because of the light from the TV, I could not see them. 
It went on for several minutes, almost like, oh my God, I know how this sounds, Darth Vader. I tried to talk myself out of what was happening, like, it's just bugs in the trees, even though it was way too early for cicadas. I just sat there, frozen in fear, willing it to fade away. Just fade away. That's eventually exactly what it did. There are several things that this could have been, but we'll discuss all the possibilities a little later. The next day, I called my sister and told her what happened. She scolded me for not calling her right away, but I explained how I could not move. She told me that if it happened again, to call her and she'll come over. She didn't have to wait long. The next few nights were weird, to say the least. Okay, same scenario. Arrived home around 9 from making sure Dad was settled in for the night. Took my shower. Settled into the living room. Lights off. Windows open. TV on. Starting to doze. From my same spot on the couch as before, where I could see the windows framing the TV in the corner of the living room and heard the breathing, that window on the left of the TV faced the head of our driveway, and the front window faced out to our front porch. To the left of where I was sitting, down the wall, on the opposite wall of the couch, on the same side as all the other windows, there is a larger floor-to-ceiling window in the dining room that faces the driveway we shared with our neighbors. This window was above the cellar doors that let you down into the basement from the outside. Now, I've included pictures in the blog, so if you're interested in seeing the layout for yourself, head over there. So I'm sitting in the corner of the couch, dozing, and I hear the crunch of footsteps on the gravel out in the driveway through that big window in the dining room. I just assume it's the neighbors going out to their car to leave. I think nothing of it, until I realized that I never heard a car door open or close and certainly no one left in a car. My hair's pricked and that's when my dog Sophie went ape. Now she's almost 18 now and totally deaf and almost blind, but at this time she was only seven and full of fire. I mean, technically she still is. But she launches herself off the couch and heads straight for that window and since it's low to the floor, she's able to stand right up on the windowsill. Then she tears away from that window and goes to the one across from me um, where I heard that breathing and back and forth several times. While this was happening, I called my sister. She and my nephew raced over to check it out. When she pulled in the driveway, she flooded it with and my driveway and the side yard with her headlights and her son ran around the house and then they drove around the block. Now, they didn't find anyone and I didn't expect them to. Someone could have gotten quite far enough away on foot through the houses in my neighborhood by the time they got to my house, even if they were only a few minutes away. The next day, my dad gave me his 357. It made me nervous as hell, but I felt a little better. It didn't stop who or whatever it was from coming back the next night, though. Same thing happened. I heard someone on the gravel outside the window. Sophie tore off the couch like a literal bat out of hell. My sister and nephew drove over, checked it out, only to find nothing. I started keeping the lights on after that. I figured with the house lit up like an airbase, it would deter someone from snooping in the windows because that's what I thought it was. A weirdo who knew I was home alone, and that terrified me more than anything. So here I am a few nights later. All the lights are on in the house. I'm settling in to watch Dan Brown's Angels and Demons, and I start to fall asleep. 
You know when you're falling asleep how things tend to be louder than they really are? I don't know if anyone else experiences this, but when I'm falling asleep and a movie is playing, it seems to be extra loud. Well, here I am falling asleep and getting fully into it, and the movie seems extra loud. It's the Tom Hanks as Professor Langdon in the second movie, you know, after Da Vinci Code, and it's about a rogue priest wreaking havoc, you know. So the noise I heard fit with the scenario. I heard the commotion of the movie and could hear the beads of their rosary shaking as they ran during an exciting scene in the movie. But it got so loud it woke me up. That's when I noticed nothing exciting was happening in the movie and it was turned down so low that it was virtually inaudible. I thought nothing of it and decided it was just time to go to bed. I felt unsettled, though, and did not want to turn out all the lights, but I did, and I went to bed. The next day, I called my sister and told her what happened. I was confused about what I'd heard. Was I dreaming? Was the sound I heard so vivid it woke me up? I was trying to explain the sound, like like rosary beads rattling together as the characters in the movie ran, and as I was pacing around my house, I stopped at the dining room table. Right there in their brown leather zip pouch were my mother's rosary beads. Still on the phone with my sister, I picked up the pouch and shook it. You know that icy cold feeling you only hear about in books? Well, I knew what it felt like firsthand. I told her I found it. This sounds exactly like what woke me up. And I shook the stiff little leather bag. That was it. Or at least that's what my brain registered as the sound. I was in complete denial of the entire situation from mom's passing to anything paranormal that could be happening, but I took those rosary beads to my dad. I couldn't handle a replay of the night before. That night, or the next, my little niece and her bestie stayed the night with me. I took them to see the Hunger Games and we ate pizza and hung out. Was bringing 12-year-olds over to protect me when a deranged maniac or unsettled ghost might be running amok the right thing to do? Maybe not, but I sure felt a lot better, and they didn't know about what had happened, so we just had a good time, and I was a bit more relaxed. Then, since I was still not loving being home alone at night while my husband was at work, my sister and my niece stayed the night with me, even though my sister had to get up early the next day for work. We baked cookies, watched some movies, then my sister went to sleep on my couch while my niece fit perfectly in the big overstuffed chair in Ottoman. My bedroom door was right next to the front door and at the head of my couch where my sister was sleeping. I had a second bedroom door that opened into a type of foyer that looked out onto the stairway to the second floor. From that door, you could also get into the dining room and then into the living room and just make one big circle back into my bedroom. A storm rolled in and the thunder woke me up at about 3 a.m. I went out the door closest to my side of the bed, which was the one by the couch. As I passed the couch and then the chair with my niece in it, she startled me when she asked, Nini, did you hear that? She scared the crap out of me. I said, no, I hadn't. And heard what? She tells me it sounded like a stapler coming from the stairs. This is when my sister, who had been listening to us, she popped up and said, I heard it too. It sounded like a stapler stapling down the steps. I was like, what in the random hell? 
Well, I had not heard that, or at least I didn't register that I did. It may be what woke me up, but I have no recollection of it. My niece said she heard it coming from the stairs behind the chair. So she had sat up, looked over the back of the chair, and it stopped. She lay back down, and it started up again. She said this went on a few times more, and my sister corroborated her story. She didn't know her daughter was also hearing it, though. My sister started to fall asleep when I came out to go to the bathroom, and that's when my niece, still wide awake, asked me if I had heard it. Well, I told her, it's okay not to be scared, and we all went back to sleep. The next morning, my sister was already gone to work, and my niece and I had some breakfast, and then we put on our detective's hats. I went upstairs to do some investigating while she stayed downstairs. At the top of my stairs is a landing. Just to the left is one bedroom, and down a very small hall, sort of at the end of that landing, was my son's room. He had been staying with my dad after we got him his new place, so the door to his room was closed. But that first room was my craft room. I had a stuffed rocking chair and a large computer desk that I repurposed into a craft station. Anyway, I got busy trying to debunk what they had heard. It was storming the night before, and we still had very old windows in our 116-year-old house, so I rattled the windows. I had my niece sit in the chair she was in the night before downstairs and tell me when she heard what she heard last night. No, that's not it, she yelled out. Okay, so I find a book. I drop it onto the hard floor. No, thinking maybe a cat jumped into the rocking chair and then jumped out again, causing it to bounce against the wall a few times. I bounced the chair. No! Hmm. As I'm thinking and sliding my eyes over the place, they land on my craft desk. Now, I'm not always impeccably neat, but I do like to stay organized. I have a tool. It's mostly used in scrapbooking called the Cropodile. It's orange and looks like a giant hole punch that stands on its own. When I'm done using it, I slide it back into its spot against the back of the desk. Same with the standard paper stapler that goes next to it. Except the stapler was out at the front of the desk, not slid in next to the other tool. No way, I thought. Okay, well, let's see. Leaving the stapler on the desk, I pushed down on it once, twice, three times. That's it! I hear from downstairs. Okay. I nod and slide the paper stapler back to its spot. I come downstairs and tell her about the stapler, and we got a little excited. And it made total sense. My craft room at that time was my sanctuary. When she was alive, it was my mom's, too. The one thing we really had in common back then was crafting and scrapbooking. If it was her, and I really do believe it was, that would be the number one way to get my attention. I'm just sorry I didn't consciously hear it myself. Later that day, uh, after my sister picked my niece up from my house, I went upstairs to have a chat. I was still very raw from my loss and very much did not want to directly communicate with my mother. I didn't think I'd be able to handle it. But I did say aloud to the room, look, if you are mom, you're welcome as long as you like. And as long as it doesn't interfere with moving on. I mean, I'm a little uncomfortable and scared and not quite ready for this, but you are always welcome. I had a bit more conversation about things I needed to say. You get the gist. Then I addressed whatever else might 
be there. And if you are not my mother or family, you are unwelcome. You may not be here, and I'm telling you to move on out of this house. I never had another instance like the ones I'd been having. There are a few other things that happened in the house, like when Sophie was younger and we hadn't been living there for all that long, maybe a couple of years. My husband and I were in our back room, and we had one of the can lights on in the back. He and I were sitting back there. I was at the computer, and he was sitting there, and we were talking. Sophie was back there because she was always by my side. She still is. She started trembling. She was looking up the ceiling where the light fixture was and really shaking. I picked her up and held her, and, I mean, she was really going for it. Then she started growling. I put her down, and she went to the back door that came in from the back porch into that room that we were in and sniffed the bottom of the door. Then she started through the very dark house, growling all the way to the front door. We opened it. It was all quiet out there, but she went onto the front porch and we followed. She stood there, nose raised, sniffing the air until she felt satisfied all was well. She came back inside and everything was normal. That was years before my mom passed away. Then after we finished renovating the house, Um, In 2019, just before he moved to Houston, something peculiar happened. Our bed was moved to where our closet used to be because we changed all that. And my side of the bed looked out that doorway into the foyer where the stairwell was. When I opened that door, it opened up, you know, right by my side of the bed. I was sound asleep on my back, and I know this is going to sound ridiculous, but hey, this is why we're here. Okay. In my mind's eye, my subconscious, behind my eyelids, I don't know, but there was a disturbance of energy. Like someone was standing over me, waving their hands erratically above my face, and I could tell it was happening. It was the strangest sensation. I popped my eyes open and looked to my right, just in time to see my bedroom door slowly closing, which was odd because the door jam was certainly uneven in that old house. Even after all the renos, but it was uneven to where the door the door slowly swung open every time. It was impossible for it to swing closed on its own against gravity, but who knows? I certainly don't. Maybe I was dreaming. One last thing that happened to both my husband and me, but I honestly can't remember if it was after our moms passed or not, but it was before we renovated the house. Now, This is personal, so let's not giggle like 12-year-olds, okay? Okay. So the hubs and I were in the shower. Yes, together. No, not for fun. Strictly business. It's where we got caught up for the day. Not for the hanky-panks. Anyway, it was daylight out. I think it was summer. Maybe even the year after our moms were gone. I can't quite remember. We had just shut the water off and distinctly heard right outside the shower curtain a woman's voice say, Hello. It was faint, but not like someone outside faint. I thought my sister was there outside the door or something. We pulled back the curtain and answered. Nothing. I said, You heard that, right? He did. It was weird. He even went out and checked the driveway to see if anyone was there. They were not. But can we prove this was a ghost? No, not at all. I can't prove that any of it was supernatural. I really do believe the rosary beads and the stapler was my mom reaching out. But to say what? I'm okay or 
you were right about the afterlife or it's okay, don't feel guilty for not getting your shit together and treating me better because it's no use on that front. It's been years and I still feel the sting of shame for thinking of myself way too often and not relenting or trying to listen to her or put myself in her shoes as a wife or a mother or even as a woman. Oh, what I could do then with the information I have now. But again, that's another subject for another day. Today, I want to explore what all this means or doesn't mean. What are some of the possibilities around seemingly paranormal happenings? Okay, so let's break down what these encounters I had could definitely be that is not of the otherworldly variety, shall we? Let's start with the breathing. The most likely scenario for this is that a kid in the neighborhood, or more unsettling than that, or even a ghost for that matter, some very real and very strange dude was outside my window trying and succeeding to scare the absolute shit out of me. It was only around 9.30 or so, though, so who would be brave enough for a stupid prank that could get you shot in my small farm town, I can only guess. No one I know would do such a thing, especially just days after my mom died. Someone who was passing by and saw me alone on the couch through the window from the street? That's almost as far-fetched as the ghost theory. How would they know my husband wouldn't come walking in? Unless they had been watching and knew I was alone, and, well, that's just way too disturbing to think about even now. So let's talk about the ghost theory then. First, why on earth would my mom pull a Darth Vader in my living room in the dark? That makes no sense to me. Unless, now, there's a theory I've heard where when an entity is trying to gather the energy to manifest, they may only be able to do what they can do, like breathe instead of talk. Maybe that's the reason behind the moaning and groaning depictions we see of stereotypical ghosts. Maybe my mom was feeling particularly playful that night, the seemingly first night I had anything happen. Maybe that's all she could muster. Maybe it was something else that followed her, or maybe it has nothing to do with her at all. Maybe it was something else that is always around and was taking advantage of my heightened state of emotion. Or maybe, because I was so exhausted and traumatized and half asleep, it was just all in my head. All right, so what about the footsteps on the driveway gravel two nights in a row that the dog also heard and reacted to? I mean, it could have actually been the neighbor. They aren't really very close to our house when they leave their back deck, but maybe the dog caught a scent and that set her off. We lived in a town where there was plenty within walking distance, even at 10 o'clock at night. I just heard it outside the one window, though, and it was weird. I really don't think it was paranormal, and that's even scarier. Who the hell would be outside my house? It was just all very coincidental. Now, I'm pretty convinced that the rosary shaking was for me. Call me crazy, and some of you do. But I felt a connection to that one. It was vigorous, like trying to get my attention. And if anyone was going to try to communicate, especially with me, it would have been my mom. But she didn't get what she was looking for because I ignored it. I regret it now, not trying to communicate back, but I was not prepared to see or hear anything directly. I also really feel like the stapler incident was a last-ditch effort to come through. My sister and I were together, so maybe it was a communication. The fact is, even if I believe, I can't be sure. 
and I feel like I missed out. Like, I wouldn't be able to get those times back because so much time has passed. I missed out on the strongest moment to make any kind of contact. I really believe my mom knew what an unbelievably difficult time I was having and wanted me to know everything was okay, forgiven. After all this happened, for years after actually, I would find these little signs. While walking, there would be a random feather on the ground, just one. I'd pick it up and keep it. Sanitation be damned. It was happening so frequently, I knew it was my mom. It continued to happen after my dad passed too. I think I'll save more on this for another episode on signs from your loved ones and the universe and the, that whole power of thought manifestation. But that being said, I don't know who spoke in the bathroom. I can't prove it didn't come from outside and it never happened again. There have been things my son has experienced over the years in that house, both before and after his grandmother passed. Not necessarily scary, but unsettling. And speaking of a woman's voice, there was one time my son was in the kitchen doing dishes in the middle of the day when I worked the night shift. He said he heard my bedroom door open and heard me say his name from right behind him. He was stunned when he turned around and I wasn't there. That, with all the times he swears he turned his TV or heater off in his room, only to come home from school with them on. And that wasn't even a, a case of him coming up with excuses when I called him out on it. I never had to. He would come down and tell me every time it happened. I should add that when we were packing one day and I was up in my craft room, now when my son moved out, we turned his room, which was bigger, into my craft studio and the old craft area into a guest room. And from the front window, I saw a car had pulled into our driveway and an older woman was talking to my husband. I went outside because, <laughs> nosy, and she said she grew up in this house. It was her grandparents'. I brought her in so she could see all the changes, and she pointed out some really interesting things about how the house was back then. It was way different. That foyer that led up to the stairs was actually a bedroom. Um, a bedroom that her grandmother passed away in. So who knows what happened during those instances I just told you about. I have a theory that I've thought about a lot in the last several years. My main propensity is towards the interdimensional amalgamation of sorts. Yeah, I know, nuts, right? But is it? I mean, what do we really know about quantum physics? For the layperson, not much, but if you look at what is happening at CERN with all the atom splitting and particle discovering going on over there, you'll see that we, as a species, are trying to evolve and understand what our universe is made of and how it works. Some people believe we shouldn't be doing this. Leave well enough alone. It's not for us to know or understand. Stop playing God. But if that's the case, how do we ever become better? Granted, we use those findings to better humankind and not destroy ourselves with it, which with our history could quite possibly be exactly what we end up doing. But I digress per usual. So what's all this supposed to mean? I think it means we don't have enough data or the ability to collect that data. So as far as we know, to, to deduce what any of the seemingly paranormal happenings are. Well, I believe most experiences people have, including myself, have perfectly logical explanations. There are those things people have happened to them that just have no other elucidation. It doesn't mean it's a ghost, but what is a ghost anyway? What if, when we leave this body... 
our spirit, or whatever you want to call it, simply moves on to another dimension that humans can only see once in a while, under the right circumstances, and may even be based on that particular human themselves. What if when the time is right, those on the other side can see us better and communicate better with us, and that's when we perceive something paranormal happening? All paranormal means is above normal for our everyday experiences. What if they can always see us better because they aren't tied to this earthly plane, the confines of our human brains, our inability to expand our own personal bandwidth to accept things out of our own precious belief systems? And what if they are waiting for the chance that the conditions are right to finally communicate with us? Or it could be just like the movie The Others where they aren't the ghosts at all. We are. Maybe we're the paranormal entities to them. Wild, right? You remember how I mentioned in the last episode how we used to watch all the ghost hunting shows? One that sticks out in my mind from is uh, from Ghost Hunters when the TAPS team went to Omni Mount Washington Resort. A man named Joseph Stickney built it and he and his wife lived there. Mr. Stickney passed and his wife Carolyn Foster Stickney was widowed and she, re- she eventually remarried the actual prince of France, Jean-Baptiste Amon. But none of that is really important, except that that's why she's referred to as princess. Anyway, in their first go-around at the resort, they are in the princess's bedroom and doing an EVP session and ask, Princess, can you at least let us know that you're in here? To which they receive, Of course I'm in here. Where are you? That's one of the best episodes I've ever seen next to the St. Augustine Lighthouse, which I have been in several times and have not experienced a damn thing, unfortunately. So do I believe everything I see on a paranormal investigation television show? Of course not. But that one got me thinking. If it were authentic, then how strange that the princess can hear them ask the question and answer them, but not be able to see them. Sort of like how sometimes people claim to hear things but not see them as if there's a veil between them just thin enough to hear through but too thick to see through who knows right I mean you see no matter what you believe you don't get to claim it as gospel unless of course you follow the gospel but that's a whole other can of debatable worms so that's it that's what's been on my mind what are your thoughts Have you experienced anything strange or unexplainable? Do you believe in ghosts? What do you think is going on? Share with us. Let's think on it together. Thank you so much for being here. If you like the podcast and want to share it around, I'd greatly appreciate it. Also, please don't forget to go follow this podcast on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or both if you're really feeling supportive. I was on a little mini vacation visiting my sister at the end of October, so the scheduling of the podcast and blog are farther apart this time than I'm planning to do from here on out, even with the holidays approaching. So I'll be planning on a Friday release each week, so stay tuned for that. But until then, no need to be offended. No need to argue. These are just thoughts, just ideas and ruminations, just confessions of a thinkaholic.